0: Well, we all know the story of Jesus welcoming the little children. Parents were trying to get Jesus to bless their kids, but the disciples rebuked them. And then Jesus told his disciples, Hey, don't hinder them. Don't you know that the kingdom of God belongs to such as these? Now, what does that mean, that the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like little children? Uh, Jesus even emphasizes the point by adding, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Now, in a way, that almost seems like a contradiction. Aren't we supposed to grow in our faith? Shouldn't we become spiritually mature? Well, of course, the answer is yes. We are meant to grow into spiritual maturity. The paradox is that spiritual maturity involves the embrace of a kind of childlikeness, not childishness, childlikeness. In this episode, I'm speaking with Mandy Smith about her new book, Unfettered, and we discuss the ways that we are called to embrace childlikeness while resisting childishness. And at the same time, we're called to embrace mature adultlikeness while resisting insecure adultishness. And of course, uh, all of those words will be unpacked in this conversation. And it is a great conversation, and I'm really excited to share it with you. I'm Marcus Watson, and this is episode 107 of Spiritual Life and Leadership. Hey friend, I'm here with Mandy Smith. Mandy is a pastor and the author of Unfettered, Imagining a Childlike Faith, Beyond the Baggage of Western Culture. Hi, Mandy. How are you doing?
1: Hey, it's good to be with you.
0: Good. Yeah, I'm really glad to have you here. Uh, You've actually been on the podcast before, and... Mm -hmm. I forgot to check what episode it was, but it was 30-something, I think. I'll put it in Mm -hmm. the intro (laughs) to the episode. But um, uh, we talked about your other book, uh, The Vulnerable Pastor, and Mm -hmm. uh, that was a great conversation. And uh, so I'm glad to have you here again to talk about your new book.
1: Yeah, it's good to be back again. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about what you're doing these days? You've had a little bit of life change, uh, but uh, tell us us a little bit about Mm -hmm. what you're doing.
1: Yeah, when I was running the vulnerable pastor, I was stepping into the lead pastor role at University Christian Church in Cincinnati, Ohio, and um, so I ended up being at that church total of about thirteen or fourteen years. Um, but last year, as I've heard is the case for many folks in ministry and probably people around the world in general, um, just sensed uh, things wrapping up there and a call to something else. At the time, I really didn't know what I was moving towards, but my husband and I both just felt a peace about stepping away from where we were um which is rather disconcerting to not also have something opening up when something's closing um and also i wouldn't highly recommend moving across the world in the middle of a pandemic um especially trying to move into a country (laughs) where the borders are closed so it's been a bit of a drama but um yeah, and both of our kids got married in the middle of the pandemic, one of them planning to, one of them kind of last minute. Um, we had to put our dog down. Like it just, oh. you know, I think for a lot of people it was a crazy year. So, yeah. so But now, yeah, I'm back in Brisbane, Australia, which is my hometown and um, hadn't lived here for over 20 years, so it's a big deal. Mm. And uh, it's great to be closer to family again and just about just kind of getting um, – into a new role, haven't started it yet with a with a congregation that's also by the university. This time, the University of Queensland, mm-hmm. as opposed to University of Cincinnati. But um, excited to start that role. I'm meeting with the elders today for the first time, so it's all very fresh. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's good. That's good. Um, you know, I uh, I'm curious since you're home now. I'm just kind of a, a, a question I'm just wondering about what, what what emotion do you think captures this. For you, what, being home again—like, what are you? What are you feeling being home again?
1: Oh my goodness! Yeah, um, you know it's complicated, of course, because we also miss mm. so many things in the US and our friends there. But there is there is just a moment when I'm, you know, talking to somebody or busy doing my own thing, and then I just hear a, a song of a bird that speaks to something that's like way down deep in me. And I just remember, oh, I'm in Brisbane again. Like this mm. is, this is a place that, you know, I feel like I grew from this ground, and mm. those sounds are just sounds that have been in my subconscious since I was a tiny person. And so, yeah. I don't know if I could sum that emotion up in one in one <laughs> word, but it just is this yeah. this deep sense of of groundedness and belonging that yeah. Um, yeah. is a really good feeling.
0: Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, that was an uh, an unplanned uh, get to know you question. here's the one. <laughs> let me ask the question that I did plan to tell you uh, ask you um,
1: <laughs> yeah
0: uh, Mandy, when do you feel truly alive?
1: Yeah, I love this question what What possibilities it opens up? It's a generative question. And I think the thing that came to mind for me was when you have a sense of something from God but it's kind of vague and it just seems very personal and you somehow put it out in the world, whether sharing an idea with someone or just kind of stepping into that adventure and and somehow it resonates with something that's happening in someone else and that that place of connection. And I think this is one of the reasons why I write too. It's part of a conversation for me, even though the writing seems like just one part of the conversation. When then someone else comes and says, yeah, I sense that happening in my life too, then then, then there's this place where it's, it's a connection of two people, but it's a mm-hmm. connection of two people with their common God. And mm-hmm. there's just a moment where your eyes are opened and you feel like you're a part of something so big and you weren't alone. You didn't imagine that. That really was God and that same God is yeah. at work in somebody else. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why I'm in ministry because I just can't get enough of those moments. So I yeah. would say that would be the time when I feel most alive. And that can be... Oh um you know pursuing ministry together or it can be just enjoying creation together or life together you know
0: yeah Oh, that's awesome that's awesome well um i hear little echoes perhaps of uh what you wrote about in in your book uh, unfettered which i'm excited to talk about with you uh, today <laughs> uh, let's um uh, let's mm. just ta- start by talking about why, why did you write this book like what inspired you what motivated you to write this book
1: yeah I think almost everything that I write is out of my own need to figure things out, and so I write just to kind of make sense of things and to understand what God's doing in my life, and then afterwards I'm like, oh, maybe this would be helpful to somebody else I might try to publish it. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, it it might look like I started by by asking a question in an academic kind of sense of like, hmm, I haven't read many theologies of childlikeness, and Jesus says we have to be like children in order to enter the kingdom. That's an important question. I should explore Mm -hmm. that. Um, but what actually happened was an invitation into being childlike in a sabbatical and to just be present and aware and engaged with nature and engaged with the spirit and engaged with what God was doing in my senses and body and emotions and everything in addition to my thinking. And, um, so after saying yes to that invitation to God, it opened up so many things, some of them kind of scary and surprising and some of Mm. them deeply healing and freeing from some old baggage. And so I think I started to write just to figure out, like, what on earth is going on in me? (laughs) And is anybody else writing about this? Can I Mm. read what other people are saying about it? And bringing that together in a way that made sense to me, which took four different total rewrites over the course of five years. Mm. So with every rewrite, I think there was a deeper level of healing and understanding in me. Mm. Yeah. The first... the first. the first version was a very grown up argument for childlikeness. Okay. Which as you can see, <laughs> you know, is lacking in integrity. So Yeah. So as I wh- had to wh- what do you mean figure by out that? how to have a childlike way of talking about oh. childlikeness? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, you know, basically I was saying we should be more childlike and here's all the reasons why. And let me give you mm-hmm. five five um, ways to defend childlikeness Uh as opposed to um, having a way of talking about childlikeness that in itself had had a childlikeness to it um, which is more than whimsy and wonder you know children are really Mm -hmm. courageous and honest and have an integrity that I think we lose as adults so had to figure out it was actually much more risky because when you're having an argument for an idea it's it's disembodied, it's outside of you and it's mm-hmm. trying to be objective. I think probably that's what it is, is, is okay. um, being willing to be subjective sometimes and mm-hmm. and share how this story was birthed in you and that feels more risky.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, so uh, I'm reflecting on what you said. So adult-like or grown-up kind of an argument might be something uh, more propositional. Here are the propositions. I'm going to make an argument for these propositions that I'm making and childlikeness is more experiential. Is that kind of what you're saying? It's, it comes more out of what we are living or. Um, um, I
1: think it's. Yeah, I think it's more partial engagement versus whole person engagement. mm -hmm. And um, I actually use adultish to talk about the negative ways of trying to be adult. And I use adult like Mm -hmm. to talk about the positive ways of being adult, because there are ways that we are called to use our agency and be courageous and, um, and have authority in the world, and that's adult likeness. But I wanted to distinguish between the two because we have yeah. the language of childish and, and childlike to make that distinction, but we don't have the same distinction mm. between adult-like and adultish.
0: Mm. And So
1: I would say adultishness is, um, is kind of thinking that two things that are very uh, foundational in Western culture – that I think therefore I am, mm. so uh, a kind of a limited uh, engagement with the world. Trust thinking that our mm. intellect is our, is our only real identity, and not trusting emotion or embodied experience or instinct or or what God does through creation or relationships. Um, so not to set aside um, thinking at all, but just to to embrace more whole person engagement. I think is how we engaged as children. Okay. And then the second part um, of Western culture, which I think is also adultish and which we bring into the church, is that I do, therefore I am kind mm. of instinct, mm-hmm. which is, you know, we're just very productive. We're mm. used to being the ones running the world. And I think as children, we knew how to engage, but not in a way that assumed it was all up to us. So yeah. uh, I think that's basically the story of, of what I found healing that there was some real baggage there that was more Western baggage, Western culture than Christian culture. But the church has, has brought that, I think therefore I am, and that I do therefore I am kind of those postures into our faith as well.
0: Yeah. Um, And uh, maybe say more about how you came to this, you know, how, how in your earlier years, perhaps did you uh, lead and, serve more adultishly and how do you uh serve and lead more mm-hmm. childlike now
1: yeah yeah i think probably the place where that came to a head and i was aware of it for the first time was when i was starting this sabbatical about five years ago now and mm. i was like well what am i supposed to do with myself for eight weeks my mm. family is still doing their school and work stuff and I felt God invite me to just be like a child, which at first I thought was just whimsy and wonder, and it's partly that.
0: Mm -hmm. But
1: um, in the very beginning, so I decided like, okay, I'm going to listen to these unspoken instincts in me, these prompts um, that I used to trust when I was a child, and just say yes to them. If they're not illegal or dangerous (laughs) or harmful to anybody, I'm just going to say yes to every time those those instincts emerge and one of them at the very beginning of the sabbatical was just to lie in the grass mm. on the top of this beautiful hill on the first warm morning of the spring. Mm. And it was amazing how much hesitation there was in me. That doesn't mm. seem like a big deal, but there was a hesitation of, or oh, what if I... What if I lie down in the grass and I'm disappointed and it do- God doesn't turn up and it's not really a, a special thing? Yeah. And also, like, what if somebody sees me and they think I'm stupid and I'm supposed to be a lead pastor and will people, will I lose um, respect in people's eyes? And um, so suddenly I realized, like, wow, lying in the grass really is not a big deal. Mm-hmm. But, um, but stepping, setting aside control, Of the experience like I couldn't decide if it was I couldn't control if it was going to be a meaningful God moment or not and I couldn't control if it was going to how it was going to affect other people's perspectives of me Mm. and and so that started to make me think like whoa there's something significant here and um Mm -hmm. thankfully I I pressed past those hesitations and lay in the grass and and it was just a moment of being in God's presence for the pure sake of it and um I didn't have any major insight that I could put in words, but it was such a sense of I just lay there and asked the Lord, did you know I would lie on this hill when you made this hill? Mm. When you mm. when you birthed that cloud, did you know I'd be here looking up at it? And mm. um, such a beautiful moment that um, I didn't control and I didn't make of my own. But the thing that I think really the second kind of moment that seemed really significant was when I then finished my sabbatical and I went back to work and after eight weeks of listening to those prompts, I couldn't decide, I couldn't discern anymore the difference between whether it was a childlike instinct in me or the Holy Spirit Mm. in me. Mm. And now as I was going back to work, it was prompting me to do kind of more serious, scary things like uh, invite the whole congregation to pray for this woman to be healed even though it's so hard to imagine how she could be healed and even though we've never prayed like that before Mm. Um, and have really important conversations about this, um, shooting that's just taken place in our neighborhood, and uh, what justice looks like and what hope looks like in that context. Um, you know, kind of scary things, but but places that also brought life as I stepped into them and and revealed my own baggage and and fears. so, yeah, I would like to say I started the process, but really it was a matter of kind of listening and and saying yes to some things God wanted me to step into.
0: Mm, I, I like that um, uh, w- God started the process, right? <laughs> um, uh, as opposed to mm-hmm. us taking the initiative, right? God is is the initiate. That's what I what I hear you saying. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: yeah, I think that's fundamentally uh, a, a key element of Western culture. That even as Christians, we still have that. The, that instinct of it's up to me. And this is a part of what I had to name is like we ping pong between, myself included, we ping pong between it's all up to me and it's all up to God. And uh, so we think, well, we're Christians. We believe in God. We believe he's powerful. So we think, okay, well, then it's all up to God. But then that leads to a kind of passivity, which I think is a childishness mm. Um, mm. of doing nothing. And then we're invited, you know, we still have to get up and lead and do things. And so then we step into, okay, well, then it must be all up to me. And there's that adult-ishness of taking more power and more ownership than we're actually required to take. Um, and so what I think is a third option, which we don't see as often, uh, is that God himself initiates and invites us to join with him in his mission on the world. And and this is where I, I kind of shape the whole outline of the book, which is rest, receive, yes. respond. Rest from your uh, assumption that it's all up to you. Rest from your desperate carrying the world on your shoulders. Um, and and from that, we always receive when we plug back into the source of all things. And then we have a response. It's not the first mm-hmm. thing that we do, but we still do have a part to play. And God calls us into that adult-like agency which is just as scary sometimes as you know to set aside our power is scary and to pick up some form of power is also scary
0: yeah um let's talk about um that rest receive respond um, uh, framework um maybe unpack that a little bit more how do we experience rest how do we experience uh receiving and and uh responding Say more about that
1: yeah yeah i compare it to the world's yoke, you know, comparing Jesus' yoke and the world's yoke, that the world says just respond, 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 question, respond, problem, respond. But Jesus says, you know, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And that sounds great, and we think that means like, okay, he's asking us to check out so he can run the world. But then he has this kind of oxymoron of saying like, and take my yoke upon me, upon you, and learn from me. Um, and of course, you know, there's that, there's this image of it's not Jesus having a single yoke that he's carrying, pulling this heavy burden that he wants to take off himself and place entirely on us. It's that, it's that double yoke of imagining two oxen pulling a load together and he's saying, come under my yoke. I'm already carrying most of the weight. Come with me and learn from me and learn how to hold this, how to carry this thing. And then um, when it gets hard, I'm right here with you, like, this is this is not a mission you're on by yourself. It's one where where you can grow in me, even as even as we're doing the work together. And so, uh, that passage for me is a great summary of the rest, receive, response kind of invitation. And it might be rest in the form of a whole day off of Sabbath or a whole sabbatical off. But but I define it in the broadest terms, like Jesus saying, "Abide in the vine." Like it's a it's a way of life of maybe just even having a five seconds to pause and say, it's not all up to me. God is God is the one making all things new, and I'm joining with him in it. And, you know, you've probably been in meetings where elders meetings or ministry or whatever kind of meetings where everything's really stressful and nobody can see a way forward and it's becoming contentious and somebody just says, can we just pray? Mm. And to, that's a rest. That's just a, taking a breath to pause and remember Oh, we're abiding in the vine, like th- we're not the source of all good things, God is. And and every single time that we do that, we receive something. If we really release from our control, which is kind of an emptying, we always receive something. And it may not be what we wanted. It may not be an answer to the question or a solution to the problem right away, but um, it's always something that is what the Spirit actually has for us. It may just be an invitation to set aside our anxiety. It may just be a moment to remember there's not a a hurry on this. Um, It may be a vision of like how God sees us or the situation. It may be a a passage from Scripture comes to mind or a song comes to mind. We always receive something. And and if we can even rest from our own agenda of what we want to receive from God and, and receive what he's actually offering us, then we just have to say yes to that that thing he's inviting us to do then we just have to respond and sometimes that's really scary it's not always what we want how we want to respond sometimes it requires a death um but that's doable like that's Mm -hmm. something i think that we can we can live that life as opposed to the respond 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 kind of craziness that burns us out
0: (laughs) yeah 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 um uh, the respond 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 craziness, as you just called it, is sort of uh probably connects to the theme of western culture, which uh is also in the like the subtitle of your book, and you spend some time talking about that. Mm-hmm. um let's talk about uh what uh, what's the connection like how to let's talk about western culture and <laughs> why the, what's the baggage of Western culture that we are called to let go of as we step into a, a childlike kind of faith,
1: yeah, well, I sum it up with those two. Uh, phrases, mm-hmm. I Think Therefore I Am, which is the classic kind of Descartes phrase of defining ourselves primarily as thinking beings, and much has been written about the damage that that has mm-hmm. done in recent centuries to the whole human experience. Um, setting aside, you know, asking us to leave our emotions and our instincts and our bodies at the door, does real damage to to the human being. And I think Jesus was more able to be human than we often are he was more willing to step into that entire human experience and I Mm. believe God is bombarding us constantly with messages to our senses to our instincts to our emotions in addition to our minds and if we're only willing to be open to what he can do in our minds then we're wearing down one small piece of ourselves and we're missing out on all the other things that he's yeah. that he's uh, saying to us through creation and through emotion and through instinct and then um the I, the i do therefore i am thing is just a kind of a natural ramification of being creatures or children of the um, industrial revolution you know yeah. that the the in recent centuries it's it's really been almost like human beings become cogs in in a machine of of productivity. And sadly, even in the church, you know, when I talk about this, um, I hear people saying that sounds so wonderful to to have a rest or to trust that God is ultimately carrying everything. How do I even do that? How do I mm-hmm. even begin? Mm-hmm. And so for me, um, one of the most radical things we can do if we do really believe that God is carrying the world and the church and our lives, then if we really believe that, that means we can stop sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's <Yeah>. really uncomfortable <laughs> Um, for me, I, I, um, I do take a Sabbath once a week, a whole day off, um, Mm -hmm. to just rest in the fact that God delights in me, even though I'm not accomplishing anything. And it's really, really uncomfortable in a culture Mm -hmm. that tells me I'm defined by my identity, but, but something grows from that, that stays with us for the rest of the week, trusting that even when we are productive, God ultimately is the one carrying his church in the world.
0: Yeah. And um, what a relief that is uh, when you begin to understand that. Um, Mm -hmm. I I was just thinking another uh, sort of perhaps a synonym for respond, respond, respond might be achieve, 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 right? Um, uh, Or succeed, succeed, Mm -hmm. succeed, Mm -hmm. right? And there's all this pressure to right
1: uh, right. to
0: be successful uh to get stuff done um to show something for uh, to have something to show for what you've done um Mm -hmm. and uh that's not always what ministry looks like or or life (laughs) um and uh Mm -hmm. absolutely
1: yeah and the funny thing is it um there is actually better fruit uh, better ideas, better creativity um, to be found in the creator of the universe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, we have to take this huge risk. And it is really scary to step, set aside our own productivity. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a stretch of our imaginations and our faith. Do we really believe that God has better ideas and cares about the church more than we mm. do?
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, he cares about the church more than we do. Yeah. Um, um, I'd love to talk just for the last few minutes about, um, what does this do if we can understand ourselves, uh, in terms of a childlike, uh, living childlike and adult likely, uh, you know what, let's talk about that just for mm-hmm. uh, holding those in balance. Can you say something mm-hmm. about holding those two in balance? Uh, and then what I'd like to just talk yeah. about for the last few minutes is
1: yeah, how yeah. does that
0: help us as leaders, uh, as pastors, as human beings to be who we were created to be. Uh, but say something about the adult-like and the child-like, uh, holding those mm-hmm. together.
1: Yeah, and I, I love that you say to be who we were created to be because I think ultimately this is about being fully mm-hmm. human. And I think as children, we just knew how to do that. We were more comfortable with that. And um, so this is it's good to remember that we've done this before yeah. um, and we can just learn those skills again. Yeah. So I actually create these little... Sp- kind of a spectrum for these both of these things that um in order to step into child likeness uh, we have to set aside adult ishness and mm-hmm. so we have to um set aside our fear of powerlessness mm. and then to step into adult likeness we we have to set aside our fear of our power, what power we do have. And um, so there's a way that childishness is a passivity of like, no, I'm just little and I have nothing to do. And we see that with the prophets throughout Scripture often saying, oh, no, I have nothing to offer. Who am I? Mm. Um, And so there's this beautiful balance of childlike, adult likeness, which is uh, being unafraid to be powerless and being unafraid to be powerful. Which, in short, is being unafraid, <laughs> and yeah. I think there's real flourishing there, and I think that's where Jesus lived, in that in that beautiful blend of setting aside his rights, you know, that emptying that we read about in Scripture, oh, that Jesus did, and at the same time, he spoke with authority, he owned his agency, he said yes to the mission, and and was obedient to the Father, and um, so there's that beautiful place that allows partnership with the Living God. And uh, so it reminds us that we're not alone in this and that we ultimately carry the presence of God with us everywhere we go.
0: Yeah. Uh, You know what I keep thinking about as we talk about this is my eight-year-old who uh, was incredibly childlike this morning and uh, he's he's a cuddler and he he just wants to be close mm-hmm. to mom and dad uh much different than his older brother who is an enneagram eight mm. we we know without a doubt uh, he's 16 already so he's kind of found that place but my youngest uh is uh i don't know what enneagram he is but he's just so today he's still doing online school he comes over and he sits on my lap he just dad hug hug and he comes to give me a hug anyway but it's not. That's not childish, right? Childish mm-hmm. is when mm-hmm. he says, uh, "Dad, can Mm-mm. you get me um, a Gatorade that's two feet away on the table?" You know, <laughs> and I have, and he is expecting me to come across the room to get it for right, him, right? right? Um. Anyway, right. I. I, I yeah, that's yeah. that's what I've been thinking about. This this that's the image that keeps coming to mind as you've been talking about. What does childlike look like? It's that trust um, that we can. Mm-hmm. rest right when when mm-hmm. when drew my eight-year-old comes and says mm-hmm. dad hug and maybe jumps up on my lap that's resting right and he just receives whatever embrace i give him yep. and then he goes and then he goes back to what he's doing and maybe that's the respond he goes back and sometimes mm-hmm. i say all right now get back into class mm-hmm. <laughs> right uh and uh you know yep, your zoom yep. class anyway i i really as i've been thinking about this i i appreciate this idea of childlike it's not a new concept you know of course jesus said you know whoever um uh, Mm -hmm. comes as as one of these you know um but uh anyway it's just come to alive for me in a little just a little bit more deeply uh, just in this conversation through your book but through this conversation and so i just want to say thanks for that Mm -hmm. uh it's really awesome and yeah um, that's beautiful yeah
1: i love that well and it, it just uh love the fact that you went to such a relational, intimate kind of place with that. And I think this is one place that is scary for us to trust that um, even more than every human relationship that we experience, God desires that intimacy with us. And that's really risky to let ourselves believe that this is not just a transaction for God and God's love is not just some kind of theological concept but, but a, deep, um, a longing to deeply belong in one another um that that is is kind of scary to let ourselves you know there's probably a bit of vulnerability in your son that he's just used to he doesn't mm-hmm. even think about it he just has chosen to put himself out there over and over again yeah and um and i think god has done that for us yeah and uh for us to respond in kind is is a beautiful place but uh may may feel more risky than we realize
0: yeah yeah Well, uh, Mandy, thank you for this conversation. I've really appreciated it. If anybody wants to find out more about you and uh, the work that you're doing, uh, where can they go?
1: Yeah, my website is thewayistheway.org. And uh, of course, uh, my books are available uh, anywhere you buy good books. I try to encourage people to go to Hearts and Minds bookstores. It's uh, the best independent Christian bookstore I know. So um, check them out, they have it uh, available.
0: Awesome, and and one last question. I, it just occurred to me. What time is it for you right now?
1: It's eight a.m. now. Oh. Like, 8 we started at about seven thirty a.m. okay. So it's a reasonable time. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, this is as... actually
1: my second my second conversation for the morning already. I'm.
0: Oh wow, yeah. Because uh, uh, anyway, it's what is it now? Three o'clock in the afternoon yeah, for me. Yeah, I'm but often I was having
1: of... calls at five or six. <laughs>
0: Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you so much for uh, being up, you know, semi-early this morning for, for this conversation. And thanks again for the book and for the really great work that you're doing.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's been great to chat.
0: I really appreciate that near the end of our conversation, Mandy mentioned the riskiness of embracing a childlike faith. And it does involve risk to make ourselves vulnerable to God, doesn't it? But it's when we lean into that risk, lean into that vulnerability, that we can more fully experience the love and presence and faithfulness of God beyond the assumptions of our culture and of our world. And we can become the childlike and adult like children of God. And we can even become the childlike and adult like leaders that God's people need us to be. As I mentioned near the beginning of our conversation, this was my second conversation with Mandy. Uh, In episode 36, I spoke with Mandy about her earlier book, The Vulnerable Pastor. And if you want to listen to that, you can find it by going to marcuswatson.com slash 36. marcuswatson.com slash 36. Finally, if you found this podcast valuable, would you share it with someone that you think would benefit from it? Well, thanks so much for being here and I will see you next time here on Spiritual Life and Leadership.